in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything from the E minor chord to peanut butter and banana sandwiches, amen and amen. He created Christmas and Easter, Xboxes and iPhones. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created Adam and he created Eve in his image. And he said, it is good. Indeed, it's very good. God gave Adam and Eve some good rules by which to live, rules that would keep them safe and healthy and uh, help them enjoy all of life, rules and uh, commands that would keep them in right relationship with him and in right relationship with each other. But the sad chapter of Genesis 3 tells us that Adam and Eve rejected the rule of God. The sad chapter of Genesis 3 tells us that that lying serpent came in and whispered to Eve, did God really say? And she bought the lie and she ate the fruit and gave some to her husband who was with her. <clears throat> And so, the Bible tells us, sin entered the world. Now, in that moment, though, God, uh, the Bible tells us that God came back into the garden, and he was walking, and he said, Adam, where are you? That was the question God asked after sin entered the world, and God came back in. He didn't say, Adam, what have you done? He didn't say, why did you? He said, where are you? It was a question of proximity because God loves drawing near to his people. God loves drawing near to you. And so he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? And he went on to say a number of things. One of the things he said, Genesis chapter three, verse 15, is he said to the serpent, I'm gonna send one from the line of the woman. One is going to come. You're going to bruise his heel but he's going to crush your head. That's what God said to the devil when sin entered the world. I'm gonna send one. I'm gonna send a, a son. I'm gonna send a rescuer. I'm gonna send a redeemer. I'm gonna send a savior. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's gonna crush your head. And we read the rest of the Bible, and it's like they're looking for this coming son. And so they, Adam and Eve, uh, have uh, children, and they say, well, maybe it's him. Uh, maybe it's Cain, and we find out it's not Cain. Maybe it's Abel, and we find out it's not Abel. Maybe it's Seth, and we find out it's not, not Seth. Years later, we meet a man named Abraham, and we think, maybe it's Abraham, and we find out it's not Abraham. Maybe it's Abraham, maybe it's Isaac. Which is why when God said to Abraham, I want you to slaughter your only son, it was so absurd. You know, you were going to rescue us through a son. You, you, can't, you can't save us through a son that is slaughtered. Oh, little did they know, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't Isaac. It wasn't Jacob. It wasn't Joseph. And then we get to David and we think, ah, here he is. It's David. And we learn that it's not David. Well, maybe it'll be Solomon, David's son, but no, it's not Solomon either. Until one not-so-silent night in the little town of Bethlehem, God sent forth 
his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. That's what we find. Imagine that night before Jesus' birth. I mean, what, what, a, what a moment. When we think about that night, we do start to uh, wonder, as the song asks, Mary, did you know? Now, some, some, some of the theological joke is that, yes, she knew, right? The, the angel had told her. But any preacher knows just because the sermon's been preached doesn't mean the people got it. All right? I'll say amen to that. All right? All right, so, so uh, we, we wonder, did she know? What did she know? How did she know? To what degree did she know? Imagine that night before his birth when, when she saw the footprint in her belly. You know how it works. Did, what did she know? Imagine that night, weary from traveling, and this was before airport security lines and mask mandates and proof of vaccination requirements, and, and, and she's pregnant, which makes traveling easier, right? I think that's how that, that works. Okay. No, of course not. And then there's no room at the end. And I'm wondering, I'm imagining that uh, there was at least one moment when Joseph said something that he ought not have said. Right? It happens. Lauren was there getting ready to give uh, birth to one of our sons, and she said something to me along the effects of, I really don't want to do this right now, this way, this is not. And, and I, I said, much to my chagrin, it's a little late for that. <laughs> now, if you're taking notes tonight, that goes under the what not to say column in that moment. I'm sure Joseph said it. And so they get settled as, as settled as they can into the barn in the backyard. In the TV series, The Chosen, the Christmas special, I haven't seen it, but I, I read a, an article about it that said there's a moment in which Joseph shovels manure out of the way so that Mary can sit down. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? That's Christmas, God entering into our mess. Let me dial the knob a little bit and get a little bit more into focus. That's what Christmas is. God entering into your mess. It's not just vague, our mess. It's specific, your mess. I, I want you to get this tonight, that Christmas is for you. Christmas is for you. Now, I don't mean that it's all about you. It's not, okay? Just all right, let me go ahead and pop that balloon, all right? It's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. But Christmas is very much for you. You see, there are no people who are disqualified from Christmas. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So if you find yourself a sinner tonight, then you are well qualified for Christmas, that's what I want you to get tonight, that, that Christmas is for you. And very, very briefly, I'd like to call three witnesses to the stand, so to speak, from Scripture to make this point, to drive it home that Christmas is for you. I want you to hear the shepherds tell you that Christmas is for you if you are afraid. I want you to hear Simeon tell you that Christmas is for you 
if you need consolation or comfort. And I want you to hear the Savior tell you that Christmas is for you, so come to him. Consider first the shepherds. You know the shepherd's story, right? Tending their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Some of us remember that old translation that says they were sore afraid, trembling in their boots, so to speak. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So if you find yourself afraid this Christmas, then Christmas is for you. You say, Jeff, afraid of what? My answer is yes. Yes. You see, a lot of us are afraid right now. Some of us are afraid of a virus some of a vaccine. Some of us are afraid of the things that we don't know, and some of us are afraid of some things that we do know. Some of us are afraid of our past, and some of our future. So whatever it is you're afraid of, I I hope that you hear as clearly as the shepherds heard that night, I hope you hear the uh, repeating voice of God, most repeated command in the Bible, fear not. Christmas is for you if you are afraid, especially if you are afraid of your own guilt. You see, it's right for sinners to feel a sense of fear before a holy God. We are guilty. He is not. We are unholy. He is infinitely holy. It is right for us to feel a sense of fear. But, but God's word to those sinful shepherds in that moment was not, aha, I gotcha but rather fear not, for I'm with you. I'm with you. I I want you to hear God say to you, you don't need to be afraid of your sin anymore because Christmas has come. Christmas has, has come. The old reformer Martin Luther said that he used to have the devil all the time whisper to him, Luther, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You can't make a big uh, impact for Jesus. You're a, you're a sinner. But he got so familiar with the gospel, he got to the point where he was able to say, ah, yes, I am. And devil, you don't know the half of it. I'm a far bigger sinner than you think I am. But I have a far greater savior than you'll ever tell me about. So fear not, fear not, not why, why? Not because you're gonna get out of your sin, fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Your sin can't undo the coming of your savior. You can't undo Christmas. You say, Jeff, that's a great thing for a preacher to say, but you don't know my sin. There are no but whatabouts to Christmas. Right? That's what we often do. We say, okay, Christmas is good for them. Forgiveness is good for them. But what about me? You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did 15 minutes before I walked. You, 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 there are no but whatabouts. Your sin can't undo the work of your Savior. So run to him. Perhaps the most uh, famous retelling of this story was done by none other than little Linus in Charlie Brown. All right, you're familiar with it. 
Charlie Brown gets so frustrated over the whole holiday thing that he throws up his hands in the air and he says, can't anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And he walks to the center of the stage and he says, lights, please. And the lights dim, very similar to what they are. And, and he begins to read. And now some of you have seen this so, familiar, so, so many times. You could repeat this. Uh, I, I'll read it. And, and he says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Now, you remember in uh, the, the cartoons that Howard Schultz, who created those cartoons, you knew the characters, Right, he, he just painted them in such a way that you knew Lucy was always gonna move the football, always. And you knew Linus, or excuse me, Charlie Brown was always gonna kick it anyway. You, you knew that Snoopy was always gonna go after the Red Baron. He didn't know how not to. And you knew that Linus was always gonna have his little blue blanket, right? But there's one moment in the Christmas special when he drops the blanket, and it's right here. So here comes Linus carrying his blanket, center stage, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, and he drops the blanket. Some of us have been holding on to blankets far too long, and we need to let go of the blanket and take hold of Christ. So are you afraid this evening? Then Christmas is for you. Uh, perhaps you need to hear not from the shepherds, but from Simeon. Simeon meets Jesus eight days after his birth. When they bring him to be uh, circumcised, Simeon has been waiting for Jesus. This is how Luke describes Simeon. He was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And here's what I want you to see, that Simeon was righteous. He was upstanding. He was in right standing before the Lord, and he was devout. He didn't play with religion. He didn't play with uh, uh, his, his faith. This was a serious thing to him. He was devout. So he was righteous, and he was devout, and he still needed comforting. He was waiting for the consolation, the consoler, the comforter of Israel. And he finally gets to hold the Christ child. And he says, now I can depart in peace because I have been comforted. So do you find yourself needing to be consoled this Christmas season? Do you find yourself needing comfort? Do you find yourself with, with, with some unsettledness in your soul? And you say, God, I need comfort this Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Sometimes it's not so merry. May all your troubles be miles away. Sometimes it feels like they move right next door in the holiday season. And to you, to you, Simeon says, your comforter has come. Your consoler has come. The consolation of Israel has come. So are you afraid this Christmas? Christmas is for you. 
fear not. Do you need to be comforted this Christmas? Then Christmas is for you. We've heard from the shepherds. We've heard from Simeon. Let's hear from the Savior. Let's hear from the Savior. If Simeon can't convince you and the shepherds can't compel you, then at the very least know this, that Christ himself invites you. Listen to how Jesus himself describes the reason of his coming. This is the heartbeat behind the incarnation. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That means you. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more I'm becoming convinced that the biggest part of the Christian life is shedding false and small views of Jesus and taking hold of the glorious vision of the biblical Christ. And the biblical Christ says to you this Christmas, come to me, come to me. He doesn't say clean up your act and then come to me. He doesn't say you can come to me unless you've messed up in the last 24 hours. He doesn't say, you can come to me if this, 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 or this. He says to you, come to me. Listen to these words from John chapter six. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Did you hear that? You, there, there go all your but what abouts. Jesus, I would come to you, but what about this? No, no, no. He said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So do you hear his voice this evening? He says, I came for you. Now you come to me and be saved. Christmas is for you, not the you you think God wishes you were, but the you you are as you sit in that pew right now. Christmas is for you. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and on the third day rose again in accordance with the scriptures. God, we thank you that you have sent your son for you so love the world that you gave your only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God, on this Christmas Eve, I pray that the gospel and the incarnation would be more than just a good idea, 
that it would be a governing reality, that we would lay our lives down at the foot of the cross, at the opening of the empty tomb, and tonight at the cradle, knowing that that Christ, the Christ in the cradle would become the Christ on the cross, who would become the Christ pleading and interceding for us even now. Oh, Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, friends, hear these words that the Apostle Paul wrote of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's stand and worship our great Christ. Would you stand with me?